the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about today? Don't be shy. I think that's uh, where we should start. I'm not sure if that's where we'll finish, but that's where we should start, to say the least. Um, happy August 2. Is, are we two days in now? That's right, we're two days in. Uh, I always like the back half of the year. Because I could start being funny and going, only five more months till Christmas. As if that's not going to start in October anyway. Especially in a slow economy. Not a hot economy. Not an okay economy. It's on the slow side. It's not horrible. It's on the slow side. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hillary Clinton raised nearly $90 million in July. She ends the month with nearly $60 million cash on hand. Uh, not too shabby, right? Politics are all about the Benjamins, all about the uh, how well you can outraise your competitor. Um, I don't think I'm saying anything crazy weird there, but uh, we'll stop at that. Market's been a little bit weak recently after a, a scorching start to July. Oil prices have dropped drop below $40 a barrel, and that is typically seen as a negative. So that touched a nerve that led to increased profit-taking efforts in the broader market. Um, we don't like weak oil. So just a weak and meager pullback, but yet again, a reason not to go higher. Buyers have been slow so far to respond to the dip. Um and we're kind of, I, I feel in between earnings seasons, sometimes there's this transition period where we have to be a little bit on the patient side. But markets are in the red to start. Doesn't mean we'll end up there, but to start. A um, couple other big issues out there today to talk about. Weakness in European banks. Uh, many of them who used to be large are now downright small. Um, and that has pressured some European stock markets, also known as Boris's, which is kind of cool, right? 
Japan formally introduced a $28 trillion fiscal stimulus package, which reportedly doesn't contain enough direct government spending to jumpstart growth in a meaningful way. Wow. <laughs> Use the phrase 28 trillion won fiscal stimulus package, and you're like, that's not enough? The Reserve Bank of Australia affirmed a weak growth environment. They cut interest rates 25 basis points, saying their dollar is surging on that news. I can't think of a major country that hasn't devalued its currency um, with lower interest rates, making it look more attractive to outsiders for exporting, but hurting savers. There's a commercial on television that I don't like the company, Cash Call. Don't like them. But it's a cartoon commercial where they show a person that looks kind of like Janet Yellen cutting interest rates. And uh, the commercial says, what Janet Yellen's doing is great for the borrower. And uh, it's bad for the saver. It's kind of true. There's some interesting dynamics going on. Oil prices falling under 40. Some high yield spreads have narrowed. Second quarter earnings seasons is uh, starting to wrap up. Third quarter growth estimates have been cut. And yet stocks go up. So we're kind of taking our foot off that stocks go up right now. So there's some confusion. There's some dismay. There's the marketplace that's creeping up more and more in the commentary along the nagging sense that the stock market is a demeanor that's too complacent in the face of stretched valuations. So what that means is uh, the talking heads out there are going, well, we're going up, we're getting new highs. It's just you, the average person, don't know what you're doing and you're going to get a big old haircut. So there's a small dose of support out there. Um... But not much. A little bit higher oil prices today. The S&P 500 energy sector has declined 3.3% this week. It's down 5.3% for the quarter. So energy has been real weak. And again, Wall Street just doesn't like oil under 40. It, it kind of smells like fish. Like fish going bad. That's the world economy going bad. We can't quite see the fish. It's somewhere around here. But we can smell it. Number of earnings reports out of the healthcare sector. Pfizer, Aetna, WellCare, Amerisource, Bergen, Cardinal Health, Shire Pharmaceuticals, and CVS Health all topped expectations. And they all held their expectations going forward, or they boosted their guidance going forward. The personal income and spending report for June passed mostly without incident. That's because the data was pretty much counted for already in the second quarter GDP report. There was no inflation surprises. So there was no basis for the market to rethink its rate height expectations in a big way. Personal income increased two-tenths of a percent in June. On the heels of two percent increase, two-tenths of one percent increase for May. Personal spending up. Um, it's okay. Um, auto and truck sales for July. You're seeing some of those numbers being released right now. And they're not good. So... And I tend to go to Ford and GM as my ones that I like to look at the most. Just they're big, they're U.S., they're easy for most people to understand. And their numbers are not good right now. So, 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, what else is there that we have to pound on today? We've got the Hillary Clinton story out where she's raising a lot of money. Um, and sometimes, in my opinion, it's kind of like that's who's going to be president, the person <laughs> who can raise the most money because money kind of is smart. Well, Hillary Clinton raised nearly $90 million in July for her campaign. Her campaign in, ended in July with more than $58 million saved up. That's a big boost for um, Clinton's $44 million in cash on hand. Her rival Donald Trump ended June with just $20 million in cash. And to me, you know, we're starting to think. Um, I don't know. I want to be kind of careful here because it's so early. But... We're seeing some cracks, some pretty hard cracks in Donald Trump, and you're starting to get billionaires campaigning with Hillary Clinton, and that has to drive Donald Trump crazy. <laughs> he hates people who has more money than him, uh, but Warren Buffett, he campaigned with Hillary Clinton yesterday, and he kind of let Donald Trump have it. Uh, he's famous for his investing prowess. Buffett, of course, went after the one time Trump took a company public on the stock market. And he said in 1995, Donald Trump went to the American people and he said, join me, I'm a winner and invest in my company. Trump hotels and casinos. They listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Mr. Trump made uh, the ticker symbol DJT, uh, which is his initials. And the business eventually turned out to be the worst part of Trump's business portfolio. The next 10 years, the company loses money every year, every single year. So Buffett said, you know, you could have been a monkey and thrown a dart and done better. Um, that's pretty interesting, right? It's interesting watching a billionaire just kind of like bump chest. So also out there with Hillary Clinton are other billionaires, just for good measure. Mark Cuban. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Got a little bit of a sore throat, which probably means a trip to the doctor. Um, so be patient with me. My voice is a little, I don't want to do too much with it because I'll start going vocal fry on you and not in a good way. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Pokemon Go creator Niantic is trying to calm angry users and said some of their new features are confusing. Um, 
if you're an angry user about a video game, I get it. I get it. I was just talking about a German shepherd barking and how it kind of makes you angry. And I'm the kind of guy who knocks on that door and goes, can you hear your dog? Um, that's pretty crazy, right? Um, but if you get angry about video games, there's something kind of weird about you. Just between you and me. Instagram launched a product designed to directly take on emerging rival Snapchat. The product's called Stories, and it appears directly inside Instagram's app. Snapchat, which was recently valued at about $22.7 billion, is a threat to Facebook, which owns Instagram, because of how the startup is increasingly dominating the attention of younger users. There's so many ways to invest. You can age in the grain of America. You can invest in the, the anger of America and buy guns. You can invest in the demographics and the baby boomers uh, getting older and taking more pharmaceuticals. You can invest in the millennials, and eventually they'll be buying houses. As, uh, maybe you're going after a Williams-Sonoma or a Masco or a Home Depot or a Lowe's. Uh, there's a lot going on out there. So uh, when you hear some of my stories, try to ask yourself why. So, among Facebook's efforts to imitate Snapchat include Poke, which was launched in 2012, which featured disappearing chats, essentially the same sort of experience. Poke didn't take off. And he later dismissed, uh, Zuckerberg later said, you know, it was a joke. It wasn't a joke. It was you were trying to copy the, one of the better features of Snapchat. Um, so, Snapchat's important. Uh, because we shouldn't be digitally documenting our lives forever and ever. And Facebook tried to acquire Snapchat for $3 billion not that long ago. And you might remember last week when Yahoo was having their implosion, I talked about how Yahoo tried to acquire Facebook for something like $850 million, and that pissed off uh, Zuckerberg, who wanted a billion. And now you look at it, and it's worth hundreds of billions. So Yahoo underestimated. So you got to watch where the eyeballs are going. They went from Yahoo to Facebook, Facebook to you know Snapchat. Does that mean you sell Facebook? Not yet. But you keep watching those eyeballs. And at some point in time, you go, I'm not in love with you, stock. So and by stock, I'm talking about Facebook. Apple's still a really big cash machine, even as Apple shares surged to multi-month highs. Strategists um, out there seeing for further gains. Just, if for nothing else, a lot of cash. Uh, the growth in services outweighs drawbacks like weak iPad and MacBook sales. Um, Apple shares rose to the highest level since April on Friday, days after reporting quarterly earnings and revenue that topped expectations. Uh, yesterday it closed higher, um, which is important because it was kind of a, one of those weak kind of days out there. So... Um, there's a little bit of selling exhaustion that's going on, and I think it could be a pretty smart buy up to $110, $115 a share. So Moody's is out with some, Moody's Analytics is out with some analysis, and they say that they like Hillary Clinton's economic plan much more than they did Donald Trump's. Now, again, with Donald Trump, you don't get a lot of things fleshed out, um, so it's tough to say for sure. Um, but Mark Zandi, who's Moody's chief economist, 
He wrote Secretary Clinton's economic proposal will result in somewhat stronger U.S. economy. Near-term growth is supported by the stimulus provided by her spending plans in combination with much stronger foreign immigration. Clinton's proposals call for $2.2 trillion new spending over a 10-year period with plans that would allow in about a million more immigrants a year. The immigration issue is, I wish it was clear-cut and easy for people. One of the areas where immigration works well is you bring in people who work, who want to work in the United States. So you bring in uh, people south of the border who want to come and make a better life than they can make in their own country. And they're taking American jobs, but sometimes they're not the most desirable American jobs. Um, so the happy person is trying to figure out a way of how can we make this work. Um, the defensive person is trying to say, here's why it won't work. So it's going to be interesting to see, but immigration is considered positive for the economy. And in our country, where you know we want our children to go to college to get highly skilled jobs, uh, we still want cheap uh, things in our lives. So you need a, a, a working class that's not paid top dollar. Uh, you can't have everyone be in the top 1%, if you know what I'm saying. So immigration is very, very tricky. And I know it's a very slippery slope to talk about, but Moody's is saying that, you know, uh, Trump would be less invigorating to the economy. So um, other stories of note, you know, for Clinton's proposals, they call for $2.2 trillion in new spending over a 10-year period with plans that would allow in about a million more immigrants a year. She's calling for a near equal amount of taxation with the burden placed primarily on shoulders of corporations, those who make over 300000 a year. Clinton's plans rely primarily on Keynesian demand-side solutions, while Trump's are more focused on the supply-side tax cuts. So um, their approach to the economy have added significant, considering the current lackluster pace to growth in the United States. GDP in the United States was just 1.2% in the second quarter and eight-tenths of 1% in the first quarter. So... We're running on, I'm not going to say fumes, because that sounds dramatic, but we're not, we're not, our engine's not hitting all, all cylinders. McDonald's is trying to shake its image of serving processed junk food and it's eliminating some of the unpalatable ingredients from its most popular menu items. I'm dying to see how this goes. They're going to make chicken nuggets and other items without artificial preservatives. They're going to remove high fructose corn syrup from their burger buns. They did not immediately respond when asked about which specific preservatives were being removed. That kind of makes you a little creepy, right? The change comes as the world's biggest beggar chain fights to win back customers after three years of declining guest counts in the United States. And ultimately, again, you got the um, millennials who say, we want butter, we don't want margarine. We want kale, we don't want, you know, iceberg lettuce. So anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, and YouTube, Rob Black Show.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking money investing now. Joining me now from briefing.com, man, I read his columns first thing in the morning. He's page one, Patrick O'Hare. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hi, Rob. Good to be back with you. I'm doing well. Thank you. So, I don't know. It, it feels like it's good to be back, but doesn't it feel like we're whistling through a graveyard with headlines like Jap- Japan unleashes $274 billion stimulus and stocks are sinking? Like there seems just we're whistling through a graveyard. It feels like. Yeah, there's um, you know there's a lot of interesting things going on. I think in the capital markets right now, and I think it it really at, at the heart of it reflects a a pervasive sense of confusion about what is going on. Um, you have a lot of rotation in the market between markets, and um, and I just think it's it's just uh, you know a symptom of the uncertainty. Uh, as well as the understanding that the market is the stock market, even the bond market for that matter, is trading trading with at stretched valuations, and uh, and I think everyone is uh, deep down somewhat concerned about um, obviously the, the the distorted pricing that you're getting as a result of all of this uh, monetary policy that's been so accommodated for so long now. But on the other hand, we're seeing consumer spending increase at a, a pretty healthy clip. Uh, so we're getting some mixed messages, and it's almost like I want to have I want to cut the other hand off and just go with a positive one. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting. You're right. Uh, you are seeing spending pick up, um, but uh, over the last three months, you've actually seen spending increase at a faster rate than income growth. At the same time, the personal savings rate has dropped. And what's interesting about that is that when the personal savings rate, you know, comes down, I think, you know, consumers spend out of savings either because they have to um, or because they feel good about their job slash income security. And with spending increasing at a faster rate than income growth here over the last three months, um, you know, I'm not so certain that they're they're feeling so great I'm not so certain that the spending increase you're seeing is led so much by feelings of optimism about income growth as it is more so about uh, not getting enough income growth and therefore you're spending out of savings. Um, so, and that fits into this picture of an economy that uh, is doing okay, relatively speaking, but certainly isn't doing uh, well enough for the vast majority of people out there, and, and consequently, you know, we keep seeing these subdued growth rates uh, that, um, you know, continue to sap business confidence and and that willingness to invest in new uh, new facilities, new equipment, uh, and the like. That is, has been a real holdback for for economic growth. So, um, you know, it's an aside here. I just wanted to point that out, and it's something that you know, it's a trend worth watching here in the coming months. Um, certainly, because there is a lot of attention that's being paid right now to the better levels of consumer spending, which seem to be the, you know, the mainstay, uh, which are the mainstay of growth right now in the U.S. economy. And, and ideally, you want to see that paired, though, with, I think, stronger income growth, um, which will lead to a better housing market, 
uh, as well as stronger uh, levels of consumer or uh, business confidence, which will lead to a pickup in uh, in capital expenditures. And then you've got a much better scenario for stronger economic growth. Now, I saw that we're, again, we're getting some mixed numbers. The auto sales look like they've plateaued a little bit, maybe with Ford in their earnings call. Uh, do we still care about the autos, or does housing trump autos? Does spending trump housing? Uh, what would you say, you know, if we're to look at these three measures and metrics and, and try to piece together some insight? Well, sure. Uh, you know, on a related note, as we talk about, you know, uh, GDP being disappointed, I mean, auto uh, production is a key uh, source of uh, of industrial production, which uh, helps drive, uh, you know, business investment and consumer spending. And, you know, the we've talked about this in the past, though, is that even when you saw auto sales, just, you know, kind of going crazy, rising to record levels, the auto stocks themselves just kind of didn't, you know, go along for the ride. And I think that those stocks were effectively, you know, discounting what we're talking about today, which is this idea that um, uh, the recovery in the U.S. auto market, as Ford alluded to in a recent warning, uh, seems to be hitting a mature uh, maturing level here where you know, you're not going to see excel- an acceleration in growth rates here, probably because a lot of demand has been pulled forward already by the very low interest rates we've seen persist for so long uh, and as well as by the drop in gasoline prices that have induced a whole lot of uh, people out there to go out and buy trucks and SUVs and the like. And I think, uh, you know, if you start seeing the sales slow down here, you're not going to get those uh, increased levels of production in the auto sector, which would then feed through to, um, you know, industrial production and, and act as a drag then in turn on, on U.S. GDP. So it's a very important sector uh, for, for the U.S. economy. Housing is as well, obviously. Uh, there's a multiplier effect involved with housing. And, you know, and housing is, is doing okay here. You know, you're seeing some improving trends in housing, but of late, uh, in the last three months or so, you have seen a, a stabilization and even a slowdown in those growth rates, which is striking when we when you take a step back and you look at the fact that you know mortgage rates are still so low. Um, you're not seeing a, a real strong pickup in growth there, driven in large part by the fact that prices have risen considerably in many markets and have pinched the affordability factor for a lot of potential buyers along with what I alluded to earlier, this idea that income growth uh, just hasn't kept up with the pace of inflation and home price growth. And so and so things just don't materialize in the way that you think they would when you're staring at mortgage rates that are at or near record lows right now. And so, so that's why it's important to see a, a stronger uh, pickup in income growth here because that can lead to all sorts of, you know, good kinds of economic activity that leads to higher levels of consumer spending, uh, and good consumer spending, I should say, not spending out of savings just because, you know, you don't have the means to spend, uh, as well as stronger levels of, of business spending as uh, the businesses themselves feel better about aggregate demand picking up in the future. A lot of people may not know this, but when you come on at 7.33 Pacific Time, I always replay it at 8.33 because I like to re-listen to what you say. And this is a great example. I'm looking forward to the replay. Um with that said, let's talk a little politics, and we don't have to get too deep into who's right and who's wrong, or you don't have to get too political with it, but it seems like this political season is more surreal than the last, and uh, I saw Moody's come out today, and Moody's, uh, Mark Zandi said, 
Clinton would be better than Trump because she's going to tax, but she's also going to spend. Uh, Trump is going to try to cut taxes to get more spending. That's the basic of it. It's got to be bigger than that. But how are you feeling about the political season and how odd it's playing out? And uh, uh, are you seeing Wall Street lean a different one way or the other? Yeah, I, you know, I think odd is the operative word there, Rob. I mean, this, uh, you know, political season has, has just been so, so strange and, and divisive. Uh, and, you know, frankly, I don't think Wall Street right now is, is trading at all on what's going on with presidential politics. Uh, I really don't believe that, uh, partly because I don't think Wall Street even knows what to think about who the better candidate would be, right? Uh, so maybe in a broader sense, you see, you know, uh, Mrs. Clinton talk about, you know, taxing more and spending more, you know, maybe that helps. But at the same time, you know, she's talking about wanting to, uh, you know, facilitate, uh, you know, more regulations against the financial sector, i.e. Wall Street, uh, as is Mr. Trump talking about, you know, bringing back Glass-Steagall and, uh, and so neither candidate, uh, at least in terms of what the popular rhetoric, rhetoric is, seems to be saying a lot of things that are, are quote-unquote, good for Wall Street, and yet you still have the market here you know, trading at, at record highs, even though uh, as, we, as every political narrative, it seems like, you know, points out how unusual this election season is and, and how, you know, voters are out there needing to choose the least worst candidate, you know, for for the economy and for the markets. And uh, but again, the market has traded right through it um, because it's being governed in large part by the monetary policy around the globe. You know, which keeps driving interest rates down and keeps raising the relative appeal of of equities, or at least keeps creating the sense that there's really no better alternative for seeking higher yield than than what you might be able to get within the equity market uh, if you're accepting, you know, a price risk as well to go search for that income. So um, so it is an odd political season, and I think it might come, you know, right down to the end before we have any good sense of what the market really does feel about um, about the presidential election and, and its outcome. We're almost out of time. We've got about 30 seconds. Is there anything you want to plug, push, or endorse? Well, you know, we can keep an eye here, obviously, on the employment data that's coming out at the end of the week. We saw that uh, kind of shift the whole market mentality uh, when we saw a really strong July number. Um, and so you know, market participants want to see that follow through uh, again. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, June number. See that strong follow through again in July and, and hopefully see it accompanied by a stronger level of wage growth, which, again, fitting with today's interview theme, can lead to better things for the U.S. economy down the road. Thanks for your help. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start with his page one five days a week. On Friday, he does the big picture. Great articles at Briefing.com, a great source of non-biased information, both on a domestic and international investing, and so much, much more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
when you talk about underwater, you usually talk about your mortgage is underwater. The home is actually worth less than the mortgage. But rising sea levels could soak homeowners for $882 billion, according to some new research that's out there from Zillow. And they basically look at Florida, which could lose up to 1 million homes, or 13% of the state's current stock. That comes to about $400 billion in value. Um, some other areas that would obviously be hit pretty hard include Newport Beach, California. It would lose about a sixth of its homes, and that would be a big hit because the homes are worth so much there. Um, New York City would lose about 32,000 homes, about $27 billion in value. So what do you think about that? Let's bring in Tony Mendez and talk a little more on real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He typically comes on, talks real estate, talks mortgage lending with me. I saw a recent report out that the average wage in America grew 1.7% last year. Now, some cities were better than others. San Francisco up 3.7%. Baltimore up 3%. Seattle up 2.7%. Atlanta up 25 in income. D.C. up 24 St. Louis and Houston also on the list. What's interesting to note about that is real estate skyrocketed in San Francisco in the last year. Yes. And part of this is, you know, the medical and science jobs in San Francisco are paying a little bit more. But also, like Twitter and the IPO um, made a lot of little millionaires. And millionaires don't mind paying 10% over asking price as long as they get the location, location, location. So the incomes, in my opinion, is what drives real estate. So across the United States, real estate incomes in the United States have been pretty stagnant for 10 years. And yet we've had a bubble rise, pop, and rise yet again. Um, incomes to what you do, Tony, how important is the ability to fund your monthly mortgage versus collateral? Which is more important, your capacity to pay back the mortgage or the collateral? The amount of money you put down. The capacity. Okay. You have to be able. You could have. I mean, we have FHA, for example, that you, know, you could put as little as three and a half percent down. You have down payment assistance programs that are offered by you know, your, your local counties and cities uh, with a hundred percent financing. So, but you still have to pay it back. Um, there's a lot of what they call streamlined products, even with FHA and, and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. You still have to qualify, even under HARP. You still have to qualify. So it's the capacity, but you also have to have a good credit score. So in the past, it was just your credit score. Now it's your capacity and your credit score. It's interesting to note that I refer to it as the three C's of credit, but there's you know, more to it than just that. But there's your credit score, i.e. the first C. That's important. There's the capacity, your ability to pay back, i.e. what's your income. And then there's the collateral, how much money do you put down. I recommend people put down some money. I'd rather you have skin in the game. Then you're going to be thinking more importantly about what you're buying. When you're putting 3% down or 0% down, you're like, Psh, I'll buy in stock and hope it goes up. It's all leverage. But if you're putting 20% down on the peninsula, it ain't all leverage. And you're thinking, which do I think is going to be better over the long term, peninsula or Stockton? At this point in time, Stockton. Peninsula. Probably Stockton now. Well, yes. You're looking at, at you know, a lot of cities in the peninsula are over their peaks in 2007. Right. We were just looking at that today. So, um, yeah, you, just the theory of, of buy where the opportunities are, buy where nobody else is buying, um, can, can also help you as an investor. But, you know, most people today, we have a lot of investors that have pulled out. 
Right. So most people that are buying today are not the speculators, and that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such low amount of inventory is changing hands right now. In the mortgage process and the refinance process, you taught me something kind of important, it, or you shine a little more light on it. The importance of if you have an old credit card, use that one versus the new credit card because it's more it's an aged account, and that goes into your credit score of how long have you had the accounts open, how long have you been able to use this without blowing up. For the purposes of radio, I answered your question in a very short form. But it, there are many, many factors that go into oh, the approval process. Not only the, the – the, you can have – for example, if you purchase a house, you have a, 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 an appraisal contingency. And most people think that's your value. It's not. It's the actual you know, the, the, the condition of that report. It's the quality of it. Um, your credit score, you have, to, you have a great credit score. But if you don't have enough trade lines, which are those credit cards and those old credit cards that have tenure – um, you can't get a loan. I, there was one guy who had real estate transactions in the past, mortgages. He's paid off his loan. He paid off all his credit cards. They're all gone. And he had a great credit score, but he had no trade line. He can't buy a house. Yeah. And he had great income. So it's a combination of every factor and the scenario itself. Are you doing cash out? Are you buying an investment property? Is it a second home? Is it a condo? Is the condo in litigation? Um, then you have to change transactions at a higher rate. Do you qualify with the debt ratio? So there's, it's everything that goes together. Even things like... If you want to show that you've got cash and your parents give you $10,000, you want to season that money. You want it in that bank account for three, four, five, six months and not 30 days because it's all going to be seen. You, you think you're going to hide something from a mortgage lender? I can't. You can actually get gifts from, from family, and, and then FHA opens it up a little bit more. But um, that's true. If you, you have to be able to document your, uh, your down payment. But the, the rules in general are just getting tougher, Rob. Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. He's my mortgage lender. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm all sad. The Bachelor had ended last night. JoJo picked the wrong one. I know you're saying, really? Maybe. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, some headlines out there. Consumer spending grew at a healthy pace in June. Personal incomes rose two-tenths of a percent in June versus three-tenths of a percent increase in expected it's good. It's not great. It's good. Um, what else is out there? Get ready to start seeing videos on LinkedIn. I think this sounds stupid. Um, it seems to me like a stretch. Videos don't sound stupid, but they want to get 500 influencers to start posting 30-second video clips to their professional social network. Um, that just feels odd to me. More important to me, Matthew McConaughey has a whole new job. He's going to be the creative director for Wild Turkey Bourbon. Don't know why I think he's going to be a great storyteller, but something tells me he's going to make some good commercials. Lululemon is raising prices, and customers are furious. That's called inflation. Sometimes we pay more for our clothes, our food, our houses, our uh, vacations, our fuel, and cars. So inflation is a boogeyman. Deflation's a boogeyman. Somewhere you want just a little bit of inflation. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.